Grab a beer and pull up a deck chair. This is True Crime Island, another true crime podcast bringing you true crime from around the world. Cambo, grab a beer and pull up a deck chair. This is True Crime Island, another true crime podcast. <laughs> Shit, isn't there a lot of true crime podcasts out there now? Anyway, Islanders, over the last few weeks, we've delved into quite a few cases where the victims were family members of the perpetrators. This week is much the same in that a cheating husband kills his cancer-stricken wife to be with his new girlfriend. Ah, okay, so this week's case, it's set in sunny Queensland, Australia, and I will reference, and mainly reference, actually, court documents. Also, the Daily Mail, which is such a trashy, trashy website, trashy magazine, whatever you call it, but they are great. For this sort of thing. abc.net.au, the tweed, dailynews.com.au, and oh, also AAP and Channel 7 News. Okay, so it's 2005, Bonnegan, Queensland, which I'm sure I've got that right. Just email me like you usually do. Bonnegan, Bonnegin, I'm not sure. Bonnegan, Bonnegan, Queensland, which is about half an hour's uh, drive southwest of the Gold Coast on, you know, sunny Queensland. Oh, if I could only be there now. It's here that 49-year-old Edward Kenneth Lord lived with his wife, 57-year-old Michelle Lord, on White Ash Road. Now, Ed and Michelle had been married for 25 years and had no children. Ed worked as a concreter. And Michelle, as an after-sales rep at Q Ford, that's a Ford dealership in Springwood. Go Mustang. Ed and Michelle's relationship had deteriorated over the years with Michelle confiding in her sisters and closest friends about the problems. But she was determined to make the marriage work. Now, probably some of the deterioration of the marriage came came about because Ed would meet Malaysian national Sue Ping or Margaret Fong, who had entered Australia on a student visa and was working at Thai Orchid Massage at Broadbeach, Gold Coast. Now, I don't know, I'm not sure if this is a happy ending massage or for one one time it was, and it's not now. I can't be 100% sure. But they did do normal, legitimate massage. They did facials and all that sort of stuff, apparently, according to their advertising. So, there you go. The Thai Orchid Massage at Broad Beach Gold Coast. I think it's called something else now. Margaret enrolled to study English at an a language school on the Gold Coast, and shortly after she, after that, she met Ed at a nearby coffee shop. Now, I reckon Ed met her at the massage parlour, but regardless, Ed started to go see her and get massages from her. So this is Margaret Fong. 
He became a regular customer from November 2014. Now get this, Ed, he ended up taking his wife, Michelle, to the massage parlour to have a facial and to meet Margaret Fong. Later, I'll have my thoughts on this, but let's not get ahead of ourselves just at this point of time. So, Ed and Margaret started to get it on together and in a very, very bold move. Ed suggested to Michelle that they hire Margaret to work as a live-in housemate. Jesus. He convinced Michelle that it would be a good idea because she worked long hours and had been... This is uh, Michelle had worked long hours at the Ford dealership and had been ill with breast cancer. So Margaret was given use of a bedroom downstairs in Ed and Michelle's two-story home, while the marital bedroom was located upstairs. Okay, so he not only is having an affair with this Margaret woman, he takes his wife to get a facial off of her at work and then gets her into the house as a maid. I mean, what the fuck? I think the facial thing, really, taking Michelle down to get a facial, was just to meet Margaret in some sort of perverse introduction with the plan from the start to get her into the house as a maid. There you go. On the 14th of May 2015, Michelle travelled to China with her mother for a holiday. Now, she, was return- she returned on the 27th of May, 2015. Now, while she was out of the country, Ed and Margaret Fong, they went to Noosa for some naughty time, that's in air quotes, naughty time at a resort, and that was for two nights. In July, 2015, Ed spoke to Margaret's immigration agent. Now, during that conversation, Ed asked whether Margaret was eligible for a partner visa if he was her sponsor. Now, Ed was told that he could be a sponsor for a partner visa if he was no longer in a relationship with his wife, Michelle. Now, Margaret <laughs> Margaret recorded this in her little personal diary and She also put in there that Ed proposed marriage to her on the 28th of August, 2015, and she accepted it. Ed also told Margaret's friend and former manager at the Thai Orchid Massage that he wanted to divorce his wife because he couldn't live with her and wanted to take Margaret back to Malaysia to marry her, which would have been great if he actually did. But... As you'll see, he didn't. Now, Michelle became increasingly suspicious of her husband's behaviour and the relationship he had with Margaret. She spoke to friends, work work colleagues and family members about her suspicions. Now, Michelle booked a holiday to Vanuatu for seven days from September 19 to the 26th of September 2015 to go there with Ed in an effort to restore their relationship. Now, while they were away in Vanuatu, Margaret returned to Malaysia and and she went on to Taiwan. She went away for four weeks. Now, prior to her departure on the 15th, this is uh, Margaret's departure on the 15th of September, 
Margaret obtained a second SIM card, which she gave to Ed so that they could keep in contact while he was out of Australia. Now, Ed and Margaret, they messaged and called each other the whole time they were apart. Now, before leaving for Vanuatu, Michelle told her family and friends that she'd busted Ed with a second mobile phone. So, Michelle already knows mm, things are going on here. Now, she asked him about it and was told that he always, I always had a second mobile phone. Michelle, what are you talking about? Now, Michelle checked out his phone and found that all call log and other information had been deleted. Now, when Michelle returned from holiday, she ended up, this is the holiday with Ed in Vanuatu to try and patch their marriage up. When Michelle returned from holiday, she told her friends and family that the holiday didn't go so well and that Ed spent most of his time on his phone. I wonder what he was doing. Yes. Then, in September 2015, Michelle was told that she would no longer be paid by Ford for aftermarket sales work, which would reduce her annual income by about $45,000. So, not only was she stressed from her health and marital problems, she now had been dealt a blow financially. Now, lucky, she's able to get a new position with Victory Ford at Tweed's, Tweed Heads on the 20th of October, 2015. Now, Margaret Fong, she returned to Australia on the 4th of October, 2015, and Michelle asked her cleaners, so Michelle's got cleaners that come in once a week or so as well, to talk to Margaret about this Vanuatu trip to see if she would react. And I think also she Michelle was trying to let Margaret know that she knew something's going on. Now, and also I think Michelle thought this might make Margaret maybe get a bit scared and back off a bit. Don't know. But the cleaners were witness to something going on. On the 7th of October 2015, Michelle employed a, per, a private eye, just like Magnum. PI to conduct surveillance on Margaret and her husband. The investigator reported that on the 11th of October 2015, Ed and Margaret had breakfast together at a coffee shop and then travelled together to visit his mother. What the fuck? This guy? He's, look, he is an asshole, but he is bold. Okay, so now he's not only bold... But he's starting to get a little bit dangerous. The afternoon that Michelle got the report from her PI, she went to Broad Beach Police Station in Queensland with the PI to report that her husband, that's Ed, had attempted to drug her the previous night and that she suspected him of putting a sleeping tablet in her wine in order to allow him to fuck Margaret. She produced a wine glass with a white residue in it and a glass jar containing liquid. Queensland Police, good on Queensland Police, they took a report that included a history of her recent marriage difficulties, but they did nothing further in terms of any investigation and the wine glass and jar was discarded. I mean, what the actual fuck? Someone comes up saying, there's white shit in my wine, my husband's doing this with the maid, I think it's sleeping tablets, can you sort of check this out for me, I think he's going to poison me, we've had over the last few weeks how 
wives and whatever killing people with their antifreeze. She's got shit in her wine and they just chucked it out. Like, oh, don't worry about it. On the 12th of October 2015, Michelle told her family and friends that she'd spoken to Ed about spending time with Margaret the day before. Now, she said that he told her the reason he took Margaret to his mum's, remember he took Margaret to his mum's place, was because she had a gift to give her from her trip when she went back to Malaysia. Michelle also said Ed had agreed to see a marriage counsellor and would arrange for Margaret to move out of the house by the end of the week. Now, Michelle said she was maybe not certain that they were actually having an affair because he's going to do this, and that she would give their marriage another go because Ed said he would change. Oh, my God, how many times do we hear this? I'll change. You're going to go? Oh, well, I'll change if you stay. Oh, okay, I'll stay. Now, this would be a fatal mistake. But Ed's verbal commitment to Michelle would turn out to be just bullshit when the next day he tells her he doesn't have time to go and see the marriage counsellor now. Uh. That same day, Michelle goes to see her solicitor. She's finally had enough. She's wanting to initiate divorce proceedings and discuss a property settlement. She told the solicitor that she and her husband were having an okay conversation yesterday, but all of a sudden he says now he doesn't have any time to go and see a marriage counsellor. A couple of days later, Michelle told her close friends, her close friend Francis Wilson, that she'd given Ed an ultimation that the ultim- oh God, I can't speak anymore. Let's start that again. A couple of days later, Michelle told her close friend Francis Wilson that she'd given Ed an ultimatum that they seek marriage counselling together or she was going to leave him. On the 16th of October 2015, Michelle told her friend Catherine Cox that she'd planned to spend Sunday with Ed and that they were going to take a drive down to Byron Bay. She thought that they might resolve some issues just by spending some time together. Michelle had also told friends and family about Ed's tendency to become angry and occasionally react spontaneously and aggressively by punching walls and yelling at her. This included punching a hole in the wall in their bedroom when they were arguing about Margaret. There was no mention of physical violence towards herself, just like a big tantrum, that's all he'd do with Ed going mental and smashing shit up. At about 8am on the 20th of October, Ed and Michelle left their home together in Michelle's 2003 Nissan 350Z Coupe. Ed was driving. They travelled to Mudgy Rubber for breakfast before driving to Ballina. From there, they drove to Byron Bay where they went shopping and had lunch. Later that evening, they travelled north on the Pacific Highway to Chindera and detoured south on the Tweed Valley Way to find something to eat. At about 8.36pm, Ed and Michelle went to the Tumbulgum Hotel. They wanted food, but the kitchen had closed. Ed left the hotel pissed off, closely followed by Michelle. They travelled further south on the Tweed Valley Way to Mwilambar and to another restaurant and guess what? That was also close. You'll find this happen. It can drive you crazy 
once you're used to things being open late at night and stuff like this, you go out into the sticks and everything closes at five o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> the only things that are open are pubs and sometimes they just will only have food till seven o'clock at night. Anyway, every, they're hungry. He's getting pissed off and they're still looking for food. They ultimately found the Riverside Pizza Restaurant on Commercial Road, Mwollombar, where they ate. Now, <laughs> pizza parlours, all they're always open at any time for all the local stoners to get their late-night munchies. So, yeah, you can always get pizza, whether it's any good or not. Anyway, they left the pizza joint at around 9.30pm. Staff at the restaurant, they didn't notice anything untoward in their behaviour. He was probably just sitting there fuming inside. Anyway, they drove back through Tumbulgum on the Tweed Valley Way, heading in an easterly direction. Around this time, a commercial fisherman on the Tweed River at Tumbulgum witnessed a loud, aggressive argument between a male and female, which we now know to be Ed and Michelle. That was in a car park just off the Tweed Valley Way at the intersection of Tweed Valley Way and Riverside Drive. If you want to Google map it, you can. That car park is a secluded area adjacent to the Tweed River, away from any houses, and it's also in darkness. The fisherman heard a deep male voice, Ed, speaking in an aggressive manner, which became more aggressive as he continued to raise his voice. He heard Ed say words to the effect of, I've had a fuck enough of your shit, and Michelle say, Take me home! Not long after witnessing the argument, packing up his gear and driving home, the fisherman saw emergency vehicles pass him on the road. Now, they would be travelling to the area up Tweed Valley Way, about 500 metres east of that car park, and, and there's an intersection with Riverside Drive there. And Now, there was a car upside down and submerged in the water, after running off the road which runs alongside the banks of the Tweed River. Now, Ed Lord, he was soaking wet. He had been able to drag his wife, Michelle, from the car, but she was unconscious. Ed told police he escaped the sinking car through his open driver's side window and that he went back underwater and managed to pull his wife out through the open driver's side window as well as her passenger side window was up. Michelle was unconscious. He brought her to the river's edge where he tried to resuscitate her. He was unable to carry her up the rock embankment. He then ran approximately 200 metres to the nearest house and sought assistance from the residents who contacted emergency services. An off-duty nurse stopped as the first police arrived and assisted him to carry Michelle up over the rock embankment. They then conducted CPR until the, the arrival of ambulance and paramedics who took over treatment. Now, Michelle was subsequently flown to the Gold Coast University Hospital in a critical condition where she was placed on life support. She died two days later. Now, I can't pronounce the exact medical terms that they said she died from, but basically she drowned and she got some bad shit in her system from the water. While paramedics were treating Michelle at the scene, police did speak to Ed who said, We were driving along, having a laugh. The front left wheel slipped on the verge. I thought it would just spin out and out of control in a paddock. He said he'd been travelling at about 100 kilometres per hour and that no other vehicles were involved. 
So Ed was taken to Tweed Heads Hospital where he was interviewed as the driver of a vehicle involved in a collision causing death or injury. The interview was recorded and he said, we were just chatting in the car. I'm just looking at at her for a split second. The next thing you know, obviously I must have turned the wheel a little bit and I've hit the grass on the side of the highway. Next thing you know, I speared the car in the Tumbulgan River. It's actually the Tweed River. And that's when all hell broke loose and the car submerged. Ed had already been breath tested before being taken to hospital and that came up with a negative result. But at the hospital, mandatory blood and urine samples are also obtained. They would also be negative for alcohol or drugs. Now, whilst at the hospital, Ed was further interviewed by police in which he said that nothing untoward had occurred. He said, no, nothing, no. No, it's just joking, carrying on. We were having a bit of a joke when the incident happened. So, uh, yeah, that's about all I can tell you. So, whenever there is a car accident and a death has occurred, crash investigators will go and check it all out to see if they can find exactly what's happened. Now, just going on what Ed said just isn't enough for him, of course. So, they've all gone out there to actually measure shit and have a look at skid marks and all that. Skid marks. <laughs> On 26th of October 2015, Ed attended Tweed Heads Police Station where he participated in an electronically recorded interview with crash investigators. During that interview, he claimed that his marriage was harmonious and that they were in a happy relationship, which we know as bullshit and it won't take Sherlock Holmes to find that out either. He expanded on his earlier versions that he provided to police. He described travelling at night when he took his eyes off the road for a split second and sort of leant over to look at his wife, who he said was showing him some photos on her mobile phone. In doing so, Ed said he must have pulled the steering wheel a little bit, causing the vehicle to go sideways onto the grass shoulder before it went down the rocky embankment and into the water. He said he hit the brakes. He described how he managed to climb out of the open driver's window. Upon realising that his wife didn't follow him to the surface, he dived down to the submerged vehicle. He said that he was up to his waist inside the driver's side window, feeling for his wife before grabbing her and dragging her out and to the surface. He managed to drag his wife to the base of the rock wall where he noticed she was unconscious and not breathing. Now, after performing CPR for five minutes, he he said she was still unresponsive, so he climbed on top of the embankment to wave down passing motorists for help, and no one stopped. So then he ran to a farmhouse for help where Triple O, which is our same as 911, was contacted. But five days before this interview, the crash investigators, they'd been already on the scene checking this out. On the 21st of October 2015, police crash investigation unit and police dive units examined the crime scene on Tweed Valley Way. The vehicle was still submerged in the river and was retrieved after being located by police divers. Police found the vehicle with the driver's side window down and the passenger side window up. The vehicle was facing nose into the bank and was lying on its route. So that much about what Ed said is pretty much true. 
An examination of the roadway, though, showed no evidence that the vehicle had lost control, lost control or conducted any braking on the road, sealed shoulder or grass shoulder. There were no tyre marks located at the scene that could be attributed to the vehicle braking or losing control. The grass shoulder had tyre marks, flattened grass, consistent with the tyres rotating rather than side-slipping or braking, which showed the path of the vehicle commencing one metre east of the end of the left-hand bend and continuing in a consistent diagonal direction towards the top of the rocky embankment. A number of the rocks forming the embankment the embankment wall had marks on them identified by the experts as caused by the underside of the vehicle coming into contact with those rocks. The marks were in alignment with the tyre marks on the grass shoulder showing a continuous uninterrupted path. Okay, what that means is basically he was in full control of the car and it's just driven straight off the road, dead straight, over the edge on purpose. There's no sliding. There's no slipping. There's no braking. There's no anything like that. The car has just been driven straight in a straight line, straight over the edge. The road surface was in good condition. There were no visible potholes and no damage or irregularity that would constitute a likely contributing factor to this collision. Now, the vehicle was submerged in approximately 4.4 metres of water. Michelle's handbag containing her mobile phone was located between the seats. Nothing had spilt from the bag. So Ed, remember, he told police Michelle was showing him photos on on her phone when the car left the road? Well, the vehicle, that was bullshit. The vehicle underwent a mechanical examination as well, and that confirmed that there was no mechanical defect that may have been a contributing factor to the incident. So there's absolutely nothing wrong with the car. Investigations by police included the installation of listening devices in Ed's home and that of his mum, as well as the interception of his mobile phone and physical surveillance of both he and Margaret Fong. It was revealed that the relationship between Ed and Margaret continued at least until June 2016. That's eight more months on. Now, Ed was arrested on the 27th of February 2017. He participated in an electronically recorded interview in which he claimed to have been in a loving relationship with his wife. He said that Margaret Fong was just the housekeeper. He confirmed that everything he had told the investigators was the truth. He otherwise refused to answer any further questions. He was then charged. So... He was denying he was boning Margaret, but the cops had phone taps on him, so they knew he was lying. Now, after Michelle's death, at one stage, Ed flew into a rage when he thought Margaret Fong was giving a customer happy endings after a massage. He telephoned her in a loud, aggressive manner, telling her that they were finished, and then he hung up. He then rang his mother and told her what had happened. He said he had kicked the car, slammed the door, punched the car window so that his hand had become swollen. He then got in the car and nearly wrapped his car around a tree and had gone down the wrong side of the highway. So, you can see how dangerous this prick is. Not only driving his car into the river and his wife dies, but he's going into a rage about something else and driving like a lunatic 
compromising the safety of the general public in his car again. Not caring if he dies as well or if anyone else dies. I mean, this guy certainly is a prick. Now, Ed pleaded not guilty to the murder charge right up to the last possible moment and then he changed his plea to guilty to manslaughter. Not murder, manslaughter. Now, that was accepted by the Crown. Now, this meant there was no trial, but there would be a sentencing hearing. Now, Ed didn't give evidence at the hearing, but he relied instead upon statements he gave to a Mr. Macklin, who was a clinical psychologist, whose psychological report was dated 24th of October 2019. Now, this report, in, in part, it read, on the circumstances that brought him to prison, he said tearfully, I can't say how sorry I am for what's happened. Losing Michelle in this horrific way. Also, to all her nieces and nephews and to my mum. She was one in a million. Can never be replaced. She was my lover, soulmate, best friend. She'll be in my heart forever. I mean, what a load of fucking bullshit. But, in the judge's opinion, Ed failed to demonstrate remorse. He reckoned that words offered to a sympathetic clinician, this Macklin guy, far removed from public scrutiny, are a somewhat feeble substitute for actually getting up and giving evidence at his sentencing hearing that he is remorseful. remorseful. Now, the judge said, genuine remorse is difficult to suppress and easy to express. That's pretty much on the right on the spot. So he should have just got up and said he was remorseful, said that she was my soulmate, all this in the dock, saying he's sorry for what he did, rather than do it via a written statement from some psycho dude. Ed was sentenced to 10 years and 8 months, commencing on the 27th of February 2017 and expiring on the 26th of October 2027 with a non-parole period of 8 years, expiring on the 26th of February 2025. The offence was also recorded on his criminal record as a domestic violence offence. So, Islanders, what a lying, cheating prick of a guy. This Edward Kenneth Lord isn't a danger to society because he plans out or premeditates his actions. He's a danger because he goes into fits of rage when something doesn't go his way. Driving off the road into the river could just have easily killed him as it did his wife. And he even admitted to driving on the wrong side of the road when he thought Margaret Fong was giving happy endings at the massage parlour she was working at And he did that even after experiencing the accident that killed his wife. Non-parole of eight years for killing her? I mean, that's really fucked up because he's just going to get out of jail with a huge chip on his shoulder and maybe some random person will just be in the wrong place, the wrong time, and take the brunt of his next rage attack. Now, manslaughter can get you 25 years in New South Wales, his full sentence is only 10 years and 8 months. With time served already, he could be back on the street in less than 5 years. I mean, how is that justice? 
I mean, Michelle and her family seem to be ones be the ones paying for Ed's infidelity and stupidity, and they will be paying for it for life. She was sick with cancer. He should have been taking care of her, but no. He gets his little bit on the side into the house under the guise of her being there to help Michelle out as a housemaid. But Ed is slipping sleeping pills into Michelle's drink so he can go root the maid at night. I mean, fuck's sake, what an asshole! And Margaret Fong isn't much better being part of it as well. She would have known Ed was drugging Michelle and that Michelle wasn't aware of the affair. I mean, she's disappeared. I couldn't even find a photo of her for the YouTube version of the podcast. So, Michelle Fong, if you're out there and you want to give me your two cents worth on this, kindly contact me, cambo at truecrimeisland.com. I'd like to hear your part of the story. But no, you fucking disappeared. Now, Ed did appeal his sense, but thank God that appeal was dismissed. So even Ed thinks eight years is... It's, it's too much. He thinks he's been hard done by. Well, Islanders, what do you think? Should he have got a harsher sentence? Or, and also, have I been a little bit harsh on Margaret Fong? Anyway, that's the end of another episode. Whew, bit of rage this week. Uh, anyway, let's get on to Patreon for the end of the show. Thanks to all my past, present and new patrons, your financial support does make a difference as True Crime Island is commercial free and so no annoying ads, brandies, food delivery or shit like that. And my content is available for everyone, no matter if you can donate or not. And thanks to Vanessa Sobrero this week. Thanks, Vanessa. And also, um, it's very much appreciated, honestly. In fact, I noticed my annual hosting bill came in, so that means we're approaching four years. I mean, wow, last year I went down to visit my mates in Melbourne, Tara and Barney from Bloody Murder Podcast, and not only did we do the birthday episode together, you should go back and have a listen to that one, it was a mashup one, about the Sandman, Sandman. Um, but we also had a meet-up with all the listeners, sadly the virus has put a pay to all that sort of shenanigans. Anyway, if you want to help out the island, you can go to patreon.com forward slash true crime island. If you don't like the monthly thing, you can also send beer money to PayPal. PayPal link is donate.truecrimeisland.com or paypal.me forward slash true crime island. Don't forget, support yourself before you support the island. I know times are tough at the moment. I do have merch at Threadless and Redbubble now. I've updated my website, truecrimeisland.com. There is a contact and merch link. Just click contact and merch. That'll get you Threadless and Redbubble links. The hot pink logo promo shirts, they've all shipped out now. So if you haven't got one in the mail yet, I only just got mine this week. It looks really good. It feels really nice too. Maybe I was thinking we should have a... I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. We should have a fan art version in the coming months or... I've got to make new koozies as well. So maybe if somebody's got an idea for a koozie design, let me know. Now, there's also links on my website, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing, also by sharing it with your friends and family. That's always a good thing to help out the island, to spread the word. Please feel free to check out my YouTube channel and subscribe. Now, we're over a 1,000 subs, and I'm going to draw the winner this Friday, September the 4th. So if you want to enter, please comment on the 1,000 sub giveaway video. You just have to stick a comment in there. Also, watch some of the... 
please don't just watch that one. Please go out and watch the other episodes. Also, please feel free to comment, subscribe and get notifications. All you have to do is hit that little bell. I've also added a link for this on the website. There may be a week without an episode soon as I'm currently doing a video for Missing in Michigan. I'll let you know a little bit more about that as soon as I can. If you want to contact me, the best way is cambo at truecrimeisland.com. All the other ways are a little bit difficult to, for me to go back over and search if required. So if you've got a suggestion for a case, if you send it to me on Messenger, I'll never see it after two days after that. I'll never remember who sent it to me. I can't, uh, can't search through them. So please send me an email and I can always search through and I can put a little star on that email so I can find it really quickly. Okay, that's about it. I've been your host, Cambo. You've been listening to True Crime Island. As I always say, don't forget to delete your browser history. Good night. Fala London.